Welcome to the Classic Holdup Podcast, where we analyze media from the past. Each episode features a different host that brings a fresh take on a film, TV show, video game, or music album of their choice. What can we discover? Do old favorites have a shelf life? Will the classics hold up? Hello, and welcome to the Classic Holdup. My name is Jack Stedron. I am 24 years old. I am a senior, a super senior, at Michigan State University. I am currently studying media information with a focus on filmmaking, and I'm here joined with my friend Taylor. Hello, I'm Taylor Ochoa. I'm 19, and I'm a sophomore currently at MSU, studying games and interactive media with an additional major uh, in digital storytelling with a concentration in audio. It was 55 years ago today when Sgt. Pepper told the band to play. We're going to see if it still is in style. So sit back with us and have a smile. So let me introduce to you the album that we've known for all these years, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. This was the eighth uh, album by the Beatles uh, following uh, Revolver in 1966. And this was at a time where the Beatles were really, like, experimenting with their sound. Um, They've been experimenting ever since 1965 with Rubber Soul. There was a lot of different influences going into the Beatles' work at the time, because I believe both John and Paul were experimenting with different drugs, because around 1965, Bob Dylan had introduced marijuana to the Beatles themselves, and... um, it influenced their songwriting capabilities. The, the lyrics for their songs became a lot more personal. It became a lot more profound. Probably about five, six albums they did before uh, Rubber Soul were all, you know, like happy love songs or maybe a sad breakup song every now and then or then like a rock and roll cover. But once they started to expand their minds, they started to get more introspective with songs like Nowhere Man, In My Life. And um, with Revolver in 1966, they started really going crazy with their uh, experimentation in the studios like the song Eleanor Rigby's got like no guitars no drums no bass and it's got like a full string octet around that time George Harrison started going through his love for Indian culture Um, he visited India in 1966 and uh, brought back a lot of culture to the Beatles music Ravi Shankar told him how to play the sitar and he, he brought that to a song on Revolver called Love You Too And um, that was just the beginning of George's long love for Indian culture. In May of 1966, the Beach Boys released their Pet Sounds album, which um, was actually inspired by Rubber Soul, because Brian Wilson heard Rubber Soul, and he said, I want to make something that makes me feel the way that Rubber Soul makes me feel. So he made Pet Sounds. God Only Knows, Paul McCartney listened to that. I think Paul McCartney said, like, God Only Knows is, like, his favorite song of all time. He thinks it's one of the best songs ever written. And so... Pet Sounds does really, really good in, like, the UK, and it influences a lot of British artists. And the Beatles were like, hey, this is an awesome record. We got to do one better. And so they began working on Sgt. Pepper. Around the world, a lot of people were also experimenting with LSD. By the time Sgt. Pepper began, uh, John and Paul had both taken acid at least once. I don't think George or Ringo have yet. And I hate to say this because uh, Sgt. Pepper is a very, like, John and Paul heavy record, so, like... 
George has got one song that he wrote on that, and Ringo does not have a song that he'd written on this album yet, but he does have, like, he does sing um, With a Little Help From My Friends, which is one of the most iconic songs on that album because it was an anthem for the Summer of Love in 1967 when this album came out. It's like one of those moments, like, where the whole world just stopped when they heard Sgt. Pepper because they were just blown away by how amazing and innovative Sgt. Pepper became. So I had been listening to the Beatles my entire life. My parents were both children of the 60s, so they grew up alongside the Beatles, and they introduced me to that at a very young age because my mom had the soundtrack to Yellow Submarine. And that album had a lot of songs from Sgt. Pepper on it. It had a it had the title track, it had With a Little Help From My Friends, Lucy in the Sky With Diamonds, and When I'm 64. So all those songs I knew from a very, very young age, and I always just loved those songs. Like, <laughs> when I was like three, my mom would play Lucy in the Sky With Diamonds, and I always, I always like imagined like Lucy from Peanuts just flying through the sky. And then, you know, when I eventually got really into the Beatles and started reading into them, I was like, oh, that's about acid. <laughs> When I was in ninth grade, I started really listening to the Beatles, and I think it was literally listening to the lyrics of With a Little Help from My Friends when I realized, oh, there's something more to the music by the Beatles. And so I started really, truly listening in and immersing myself in the entire discography. And then that begat, like, you know, John's like John's solo career, Paul's solo career with and without Wings, and I'm still listening to... There's, I still feel like there's some stuff from Paul that I still haven't listened to yet. But with the Beatles and Sgt. Pepper, I got really deep within, like, Sgt. Pepper's. I wanted to know what else there was besides, you know, the stuff like Lucy in the Sky or When I'm 64. And then I heard A Day in the Life for the very first time. And I heard Lovely Rita for the very first time. And all those songs just, like, I, I was just hooked. I, I'd, I'd never really heard anything like this before. At this point, um, I had listened to Sgt. Pepper so many times and... um. To this day, it still is one of my top albums of all time. There is literally not a weak point in that album or a point in the album where I'm like, I'll skip to the next track. If I listen to Sgt. Pepper, I listen to the entire thing front to back just and with a big smile on my face because it just is wonderful, wonderful album. So for me, um, so talking about Sgt. Pepper specifically, um, I hadn't actually listened to the whole album through fully until Jack asked me to come and record this because um, the way that I had grown up and began listening to the Beatles, it was because of my dad and I would just listen to songs that he would be playing, you know, and usually it was like scattered of like, he would play like something because and you never give me your money, like all those songs are golden slumbers as well. And like, then like, not really like play any of the rest like he would just play like the ones that he liked so i never really listened to like 
got like the full album experience. So it's been really cool to like actually um, listen to the album. And I'm definitely going to try to make an effort to listen to the other Beatles albums in full. And in terms of the Beatles in general, they just were a really big um, part of my life. I would say growing up, I would like if you asked like 10 year old, 10 to 12 year old me who my what my favorite band was, I would say the Beatles. Um, and part of that, like I said, is because my dad and also so I would just learn all their songs and I had we had a copy of Beatles Rock Band. So I would just be well, I you know, I was always intimidated by the instruments of rock band. So, yeah, I would mainly just do the singing part. And so, yeah, it was uh, Beatles are definitely a, a very important part of my life. Um, less impact to me now, but I, you know, I, I do want to make music stuff. And, you know, I think going back and listening to their songs is definitely very inspiring for helping to create my own music. So when it first came out, um, like I said, the whole world just stopped. They played the album from front to back on some British radio stations. And there was a private listening party that the Beatles did. On the day that it was released, uh, I think a couple people opened up their windows and blared the album right out of their windows. Before I want to talk about the universal acclaim, I want to talk about like one particular thing that comes to mind, I don't remember who this was, so I'm not going to like drop a name and I don't even remember what he was part of, but he said like, oh, this is just a bunch of, you know, psychedelic mumbo jumbo, all that kind of like, you know, the backwards guitars, the sitars and the drones, all that stuff. And he, then he listened to the album a few months later and he said, I was wrong. And this is one of those kind of like higher class kind of like... Just more conservative. I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely more conservative. It's like one of those... It's like you see a YouTube video. It's just like 100 million likes versus like 75 or 100 something like dislikes. It's just like the ratio of likes. People who love this album far outweighed how many people didn't care for it. And I, it, no, I don't think anyone's ever hated Sgt. Pepper. I think they just didn't care for it. I think that's the worst criticism in 55 years. Yeah. Is that... I mean, sorry, I oh, didn't mean to cut you off. I I just think like, you know, I feel like the only reason that you would really grow to like dislike the Beatles is because of like, they're so popular. So I feel like a lot of people just tend to think like, oh, having like a popular opinion is bad. So it'll kind of like turn them off to like the album. Right. So I feel like you definitely get some people like that as well. Yeah. And there, of course, are the people who um, a year a year before this album was released in America, John Lennon was still in hot water because he said like the Beatles are bigger than Jesus. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. The album itself did incredibly well. Six months after it was released, it sold over two million copies, which no matter what time period you're in, that's just insane. And uh, it was uh, at the top of like the Billboard Hot 100 Albums charts until February of 1968. So that's eight months of the album being out that it's just... I don't think like that was only beaten until like Dark Side of the Moon was like popular for like seven years. The influence just immediately upon release. And like, I remember, I think I told you, uh, Jimi Hendrix learned how to play like the title track of the album in two days for a concert. And uh, since then, it's really changed the way that pop music and psychedelic pop music has just gone for the following 50 years. Since then, there have been a lot of albums that have uh, tried to copy Sgt. Pepper. Like the, the year after... Um, there's this very obscure album um, by this very obscure one. They only did one album, and it's, they're called The Millennium. They did this album called Begin, which was like, it's so good because I've listened to it. The first track alone sounds like it could have like been on Sgt. Pepper because it's got like these tubas. It's got like a harpsichord. It's got these big booming drums, and I was, it was just like incredible. So Sgt. Pepper's influence has already, like a year after it began, it just started showing through the, through, uh, the Millennium. That the band, the Millennium. 
but also into the new millennium because uh, in 2001, uh, the group of Montreal released uh, uh, Coquelicot Asleep in the Poppies, which was this kind of loose, like, rock opera kind of thing about, like, you know, fairies and magical creatures. And um, there's definitely a lot of influence from Sgt. Pepper, like the way the bass player plays his bass or the wide variety of instruments. There's actually this one track on there called Go Call You Mine. It's like a guitar track with um, a variety of different instruments playing one bar of the melody. Like it goes, like starts off with a violin and then it goes into like a clarinet and then like a harpsichord or an electric guitar and it just goes on through that. And it's really like, I feel like if, like sometimes I like to like listen to that album and I like imagine like what John Lennon and Paul McCartney would have said, like if someone gave them that album in 1967, they would probably be like, hey, that's a good idea. We should do that. But um, it's a good impression. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I mean, definitely. I, I would agree. Like we were talking about how there's a lot of pop songs that you can listen to today. And, you know, you're like, this is definitely Beatles inspired. And like even like people like saying, I forgot what artist it was that you were talking about that like could be heavily inspired by the Beatles or maybe even said that. I definitely think, like I said, you know, like as someone who wants to create music, um, mm-hmm. I definitely look to the Beatles for inspiration. So it's really cool that uh, you can kind of just like see their influence in different genres. The Smile album by the Beach Boys was this big planned rock opera that uh, many like music historians would have said rivaled Sgt. Pepper if it had been released. But um, due to Brian Wilson's like fragile mental state, Smile never came out. And instead, um, they uh, released Smiley Smile, which was this like lo-fi, like like it was recorded in three days in Brian Wilson's home studio, very lo-fi bedroom pop kind of aesthetic. And it flopped. I don't think it even like hit gold because good vibrations released uh, a year earlier and that became number one in america and in the uk so the critics had their eyes on both the beatles and the beach boys at the same time the beach boys said we're not going to do smile here's smiley smile instead and the critics were just like well this is just a big load of garbage let's see what the beatles are doing and the beatles were like here's sergeant pepper and they're like okay you guys you guys win Smile just became this legend while Sgt. Pepper, it just became this everlasting monument to innovation and creativity in the 1960s. Okay, let's talk a little bit about how the album itself is viewed now. Like, not just like part of the Beatles' legacy, but the album on its own. The album itself has withstood 50 years. You can look at albums that were released... 50 years ago or less that have faded into obscurity just because they didn't make such an impact like Sgt. Pepper did. Every time it's released over and over again, it, it, it just gets popular over and over again. When the album came out for its uh, 50th anniversary, it brought the album back into this brand new light because it got a brand new stereo mix, which this is a significant improvement. But for a while, the way to listen to it was in mono until 2017 when they released the whole album in this brand new stereo mix and it blew me away. And I can speak for any big Beatles fan or any like Sgt. Pepper fan. It's like listening to Sgt. Pepper for the very first time. Well, I mean, I think that's a really cool feeling. Like to be able to experience that. Um, it's something that I wish I could have with a lot of different things. So it's cool that they were able to do that because I know like a lot of work went into that new mix that they made. So the newer mix definitely is going to encourage me to listen to the album more. The only main thing that would really hold me back from listening to Beatles 
songs is because, you know, the mixing isn't really up to speed. There's definitely a certain charm that you get from listening to older music, but it just makes me really content when I hear like really good production, you know, in your headphones. It just it just hits different. Um, so, you know, it's really like that's really just personal preference, honestly, I would say. Um, as to people's perceptions of whether or not they like the newer or older mix. But I don't know. Humans like balance in their ears. So I feel like, you know, the newer mix that's a little bit more balanced will, you know, be more appealing to the general public, I would say. Mm -hmm. Say Sgt. Pepper was never released. The Beatles themselves would still be like, you know, heralded as these like, oh, they were still very good. But like if they stopped right before Sgt. Pepper, they definitely would not have done well because I feel like this is their magnum opus. But like say somewhere along the lines, 50 years later, somebody like not word for words, note for note, Sgt. Pepper, but basically like everything that the Beatles wanted to do with Sgt. Pepper, if they release that now, how do you think it would do? Well, it's difficult to say, honestly, because, you know, I feel like, like I said before, since Sgt. Pepper has had such a big impact on the music that's made today, like, it would be like, well, what genres would we even be making currently and, and liking? What would be the most popular now? I, I wouldn't be sure. So just assuming that we have like the same music taste that we do now um and like what the genres that are popular and not popular i would say that it would be more of like a, a cult classic kind of thing um i would say people would see it more as more of like an isolating album of like you have to be a certain kind of person to like like the album if that makes sense not like i don't mean like in a negative way i just mean like you would have to kind of like the genre in, in, in a sense whereas like since the album was released before it kind of like created a new genre opened up the opportunity to to be more experimental and use these different instruments and sounds and so yeah it created a genre of its own whereas now it would be seen as a certain genre so a bit more polarizing and you know i think it's very interesting that you say that because i didn't even consider about the fact that like i mean i know it de definitely changed music forever but i never thought about like yeah we probably wouldn't even have like some of the albums that we have now especially because of the beatles influence like especially if they stopped before Sgt. Pepper because there'd be no Sgt. Pepper, there'd be no White Album and no Abbey Road. Nobody knows what would, like, be missing because of that. It's kind of like that movie, you know, like, Yesterday, like, if the Beatles never existed. I, I feel like it probably would be a cult classic, but at the same time, it could just be as revolutionary as it was in 1967. Say rock goes somewhat close to how it is nowadays like heavy metal kind of takes over in the 70s maybe disco probably finds its way in the 70s and techno hip-hop and rap so and you know what's kind of popular nowadays in like the 20s is like um like hip-hop and rap but say if somebody like creates this sergeant peppery album it could very much well start a rock revolution just like it did back in 67 um, if it had been released. And it's so hard to say, because, like, I'm sure there are other people who are doing other episodes where it'd be like, oh, yes, this would probably, you know, go well if it's released today because of just, you know, how nice it is. Or, no, it won't because of how cult classic-y this is. But, like, when you're talking about an album like Sgt. Pepper, the weight that this album carries is just so big and it's so mysterious. Like, this is, like, one of those, like, you know how you say, like, if you step on a butterfly, like, a hundred million years ago, it'll drastically change everything? This is, like, the biggest butterfly in the whole world. So nobody knows what could happen. So all we know is that we are in a timeline where Sgt. Pepper was released, and it did so well, and it changed popular music. We're going to talk a little bit about how we think the album is going to do in the future. 
And I'm just going to say plain and simple. If the album can go 50 years and still be like the number one album of all time, like on Rolling Stone magazines or like in like the Billboard top 100 albums of all time, if that can still be in like the top five, then I am not worried about Sgt. Pepper's legacy because the Beatles have really solidified themselves to be the modern day um, Mozarts and Beethovens and Tchaikovskys because of just their influence and what they've done because Sgt. Pepper's their magnum opus. The album was released so many different times over and over again. It got a reissue in the 70s on vinyl, then on CD in the 80s, and uh, over and over again. Then there was like the whole anniversary masters in 2009, and then it got put on vinyl again for the new vinyl generation, and now it's like it's got its 50th anniversary with this big box set and then treatment and all that, everything, so. Yeah. And, and I don't really keep up with that sort of stuff. So it's interesting to hear about that because like I just like see on Spotify and all that, all the all the different mixes and masters that they have. And I'm like, what is, you know, what is going on? Like it, it honestly, it does like affect my perception of how I see it now because um, like it's kind of overwhelming to see all these mixes and like new releases because it's just like I wish that they just kind of had like like this is the latest mix I mean obviously still make the older mixes available as those are important but like I wish that they would just have a section like this this is all their albums in order and like and then like the newest mixes of it you know mm-hmm. and then maybe like the older mixes you know but I just wish it was a little bit more uh, user friendly I guess like looking at the Spotify page it's very chaotic the releases yeah for sure because like people are gonna be like oh wait there's the 2009 remaster but then there's the 2017 remix this is just my opinion I think the 2017 stereo mix is the new definitive way to listen to Sgt. Pepper and I know that takes away from everything because they took the old stereo mix of the album which was I don't want to say badly done it was just very hastily done done by the engineers in two days when the Beatles themselves had carefully crafted the the mono mix of the album in this like they 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 put their own personal input into it for weeks and then in two days the um engineers just made the stereo mix as an afterthought and it was okay as very satisfying too like they didn't just like put reverb on things because like reverb is such a crutch for like it'll just drown everything out and get really muddy sounding yeah um well the the guy the the new mix was made by the original producer for the beatles son giles martin so it it was in good hands and also it was monitored by paul and ringo at the time too so it definitely got that like beetle input that was in the original mono mix when when the 50th anniversary was released a few years back the album itself shot back up to number three and for an album that's 50 years old to be in the top five yeah that's interesting to hear about honestly i i don't expect it i want to know like where they get their their data from honestly because that's that's really surprising well nowadays i'm sure they probably got you know streams on spotify or how many views it gets on like the youtube page or just record sales alone like they used to i mean that kind of reminds me of this friend that i have that um this is slightly unrelated but you know like on spotify how you can at the end of the year, it'll tell you like, oh, like you're in the top 0.5% of listeners for this uh, mm-hmm. artist. So then they posted like that they were in the top 0.5% for like Beatles listeners. So that was funny. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, so yeah, if if a if an album can go 50, over 50 years and still be like the GOAT for so many people and it can chart again 50 years after it was released, in our lifetime, we will see like the 75th anniversary and then the 100th anniversary. It's kind of like that John Mulaney joke. It's like, oh, that's not a real year. 
the album will still be loved by the time it turns 100 and not just for the fact that like oh hey this was 100 years ago and like no like oh my god the album is 100 years old and it still holds up if people can remember Mozart over 300 years because of the way he changed classical music or Beethoven or Tchaikovsky, then people are going to remember John Lennon and Paul McCartney for the music that they did. I definitely agree with that, yeah. My name is Matthew Macbeth. My name is Jack Holloway. My name is Alondra. When I complete my degree, I want to focus on digital content creation. I want to get a job in film production. I want to do podcasting, music production, and design work. My name is Matthew Macbeth. My name is Jack Holloway. My name is Alondra, and, and I, I am, am ComArtSci. Start your journey at comartsci.msu.edu. gonna do a Q&A anything about this album you've probably told me before but what is your favorite track on Sgt. Pepper you said I've told you before that's the thing I can't even I don't even know because the whole album just works as a whole but Lovely Rita is great because like I just love like the little piano solo in the middle or um, when I'm 64 like gives me a lot of memories of being a little kid she's leaving home is beautiful because of like all the string quartets and actually on the on the new box set anniversary there's a uh, there's a version of the song where it's just like there's no singing and it, it it's it sounds so beautiful just like hearing just like the string quartet on its own but I think the the coolest song and the most impactful song to me has got to be a day in the life that's like I think that is the best Beatles song of all time it's got everything that you think about when you hear when you think about the Beatles. It's got like cool songwriting. It's got like cool stereo techniques, and then like there's this big orchestral swell near the end, and then that big final chord at the very end that just fades out slowly as the album, you know, like as the needle reaches slowly towards the center of the record. So I gotta say, day in the life. What about you? Um. Okay. In terms of like what I, I listen to a lot more than like in relation to all the all of the other ones, I would say Getting Better. I really like that one. Um, but like impactfulness, I mean, with a little help from my friends, that's like, you know, mm. that's just peak like memories, I would say for oh, me. Yeah. So I would say like my top three, like, and that's the thing about this sort of album is like you have to give a top three. It's like that kind of yeah. album. So I would say... Yeah, getting better, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, and with a little help from my friends, I would say, from, from this album. But By the way, I just want to say, a little help from my friends. It's not that I glossed over. I also wanted to say that, too. I love that song ever since I was a little kid, and that was a song that really like got me interested in learning more about like what the Beatles meant with their words. And that's and that became like an iconic summer of love kind of theme too because um the show the wonder years um all about like growing up in 1967 and 68 and um they, they they used a cover of uh with a little help from my friends as the theme song so that <laughs> that that should just show like another question i wanted to ask you was um so you mentioned the piano in lovely rita like do you know like what about it like that you really like i think it's so fitting 
And I it also kind of sounds like old timey because it's like it kind of sounds like an old ragtime piece. Mm. And like even then, like ragtime was such an antiquated thing by then because like it was just this thing that like Paul just wanted to put on a song. And it like it makes me want to like if I ever like write a song, I'm like, I would like a fun little piano solo like that just because. And it's such like. I just love like the 12 string guitars that you can hear about it like throughout the whole track and um just that's just a really really cool song about that see picking your favorite Beatles song is so hard I can even I can easily tell you my favorite Beach Boys song but like picking my favorite Beatles song is it's so hard it's like they're almost like your kids (laughs) like I can't even like I mean I could say like oh yes the most successful Beatles songs yesterday because it was recorded two million different times or day of the life because critics say that's the most important Beatles song of all time but like if 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 it wasn't for nowhere man I would say my favorite Beatles song is the entirety of the Sgt. Pepper album if it hasn't been glaringly obvious by how much praise we've both been giving it and talking about how in 2022 it's still, you know, seen as this great monument, then, um, yes, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band still holds up in 2022 because it's a, it's a monument. It's really a monument to rock music. When Sgt. Pepper came out, rock music really, truly began. And I like to think about, like, with the brand new stereo mix, because now that's, like, what's out there now. And you, you can go to Barnes & Nobles and buy a record, or you can go into, like, FYE and buy records there, too. And I like to imagine there's, like, a teenager who's just beginning a record collection or he got his first turntable, and he hears everyone talking about the Beatles, and he gets the brand new mix of Sgt. Pepper, and he's blown away just by, like, how many, so many people who were probably also a teenager who walked into a record store in 1967 and picked up a copy of Sgt. Pepper and they were blown away just by that. So yeah, um, I think it still holds up and saying, like even saying that feels like an obvious understatement. I mean, I feel like our whole conversation has been kind of like evidence pointing towards the fact that yes, it does hold up. Mm -hmm. This very much well could be like, Hi folks, I'm Jack. That's Taylor. Sergeant Pepper still holds up. Absolutely. Duh. And then boom, roll credits. Like that's all you need. But it is it's just such a great album. And honestly, I kind of want to go home today and listen to it again because I got I, I have <laughs> I I have the album on on vinyl. I could listen to it. The accessibility of this great piece of music is just also why it still holds up too. Um the final answer is yes it still holds up in 2022 and it'll forever hold up just as much as Beethoven's Ninth Symphony or Mozart's Ein Kleiner Nacht music or Vivaldi's Four Seasons. It's a timeless piece of music that will forever be timeless. Um, so long as the world stands and even, you know, I mean, there are some like albums that date themselves and any like album out of the 80s like any like synth pop album you'll be like oh that's so 80s but like sergeant pepper doesn't even date date itself it just is like beautiful the next big thing will come along like we don't even know what the next big thing in music would be someone will release an album at some point that might do better than sergeant pepper but like it'll never overshadow sergeant pepper because then it just becomes a great thing that like Maybe 50 years ago, there's going to be kids who are in at Michigan State and they're going to be doing a podcast and it's like, oh my God, this album that was released 50 years ago still holds up. It's like one of the greatest of all times. All right, Taylor, I want to thank you for your time and for coming back to record this with me again on such short notice. 
Well, yeah, so thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. This has been Jack Stedron of The Classic Holdup. Find The Classic Holdup on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us at Audio Video Land for updates, teasers, and behind-the-scenes content of all Audio Video Land productions. The Classic Holdup is an Audio Video Land production by digital storytelling students of Michigan State University in collaboration with Impact 89FM.